Hello, and welcome to Listening Beyond, a podcast of the School of Community and Public Affairs at Concordia University in Jojage, Montreal. Bonjour et bienvenue à Listening Beyond, un balado de l'École en Affaires Publiques et Communautaires. Before we begin, we acknowledge that Concordia University is located on unceded Indigenous lands. The Kanyan Kehaka Nation is recognized as the custodians of the land and waters on which we gather today. Jojage is historically known as the gathering place for many First Nations. Today, it is home to diverse populations of Indigenous and other peoples. We respect the continued connection with the past, present, and future in our ongoing relationships with Indigenous and other peoples within the Montreal community. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Christoph, and um, today we are interview- interviewing a very special guest named Samuel Vazin. Did I get that right? Yeah, it's Vazin. Yeah. Vazin. So, how you been? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. What were you uh, doing today? So, today um, I was with other CPA students. Uh, we went to a, a protest for free education uh, that started at Place du Canada, and uh, then we went back to pick at a class, um, and uh, now here I am. What was the uh, goal of the protest? So the protest, um, it's kind of a, a throwback to the March 22nd protest of 2012, where it was like 100,000, 200,000 people in the streets. Uh, big strike for against the tuition hike back then, 2012, mm-hmm. and also for free education. So it's kind of a throwback to this and trying to prop back up uh, the, the student movement in uh, Quebec. Nice. And like, how many people were there? What was going on? Uh, I'd say over a thousand. Uh, we left early because we had to leave to pick at class, so we didn't stay until the end. What was like the, um, the route? So we left from Place, Canada, Place du Canada. We went um, up towards where McGill is, walking the street in front of there. Um, and that's kind of when us CPA students uh, went back because we had a class to pick it. Okay. Um, so we had to go back to Concordia. So I don't know where it went after. I don't know what happened after as of now. Yeah. But uh, I'm sure we'll uh, discover that uh, later on nice. in the news. Or... And how, how was the vibe? How was uh, The vibe was, was really good. Um, when we got there, it was a bit... Uh, so we got there at 1. Uh, there was not that much people. It was like, oh, it's a bit disappointing. But then other contingents from other CGEPs and universities starting moving in Same. and uh when we left uh, started moving out around two there was like a good amount of people when we walked back there was a good like five minutes of you know going against the crowd and uh okay, people yeah. moving up maneuver your way back yeah, exactly yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> all right well why don't you give like a little like brief introduction on like uh, who you are uh, your academic career and your sort of uh, activist past yeah so yeah as you said uh, my name is samuel vanzin um i kind of uh, got thrown in the student strike in 2012 um, I was my second semester of CGEP at the CGEP du Vieux-Montréal. Uh, and, um, you know, I started getting people started giving out flyers and doing the mobilization. And, um, there's, you know, they were proposing a $1,625 hike over five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I come from a pretty working class, single family welfare background. So, like, having that big of a hike, I was like, okay, this is, like, me going to university or not. Mm-hmm. So I kind of really got that personal push to, like, get involved. Um, and then, you know, just the whole movement and I just kind of, yeah, got, uh, got thrown in that. And so how do you recall the student protest in 2012? Uh, honestly, it's like, uh, I'd say it was an amazing experience, uh, an empowering experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really nice to see like, you know, the thousands of people who are in the streets every day, the, the 
tons of events that are happening every day on different CJEPs, different universities. Um, you would think maybe like a strike is like calm and you don't do stuff. Like you're never more busy than in a strike actually. Yeah. It's, it's very, um, there's much, there's a lot of things happening during a strike. And, you know, we had like mobilization committees, uh, picketing classes at like 6 a.m., going to different schools, helping them out. Um, when we fell on strike, we occupied the CJEP. Um, it was a, it was my first day of strike. Uh, I got arrested <laughs> on my first day of strike. No way. So yeah, it was, uh, it was one hell of a entrance into, um, That's student crazy. activism. And, um, it was mostly French schools who did the protest, right? Uh, it was mostly French schools. Um, uh, there was a, a few student unions in the Anglophone schools that I think were a few days of strike. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know the SCPA, SA at Concordia was on strike, I think for the, the whole five, six months of strike. Uh, but I think it was one of the few um, like Anglo student unions who, uh, yeah. who were part of the whole movement. Technically, the SCPA is a bilingual movement, so maybe that helped. Mm -hmm. um, but, but, but yeah. Why, why do you think English institutions didn't really get as much involved as, as French institutions? Uh, uh, I think there's a, there's a history of uh, student mobilization uh, more in the French universities. The CGEP system, the French universities are really created, like, I think in the 60s, 70s, after the, like, Révolution Tranquille and the Commission Parent and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and they've been, like, national student unions since the 60s organizing strikes. Uh, the 2012 is far from being the first strike. There were seven, like, 2007, 2005, the 90s, the 80s, the 70s. Um, so I think there's just much more of that culture. Um, and also, to be fair, for like international students or students from the rest of Canada, um, you guys pay much more fees. So when you come here and people are like, oh, we want to stop this like $1,000 fees when you're already paying like 15K per year, you're like, what are you, you know, what are you angry about? This is a small fee. Mm -hmm. But we have small fees for a reason. We have small fees because we've been fighting them for a good 50 years. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. For sure. And what were the kind of challenges that you had you faced during that protest? Were there any moments that were like, you know, you well, you got arrested, right? That's definitely, <laughs> <laughs> so there's definitely that police um, confrontation. Yeah. But were there any other like uh, challenging moments or? You know? Yeah, I think it's just you know um, getting people to attend DGAs, mobilizing people, um, like keeping up with what's going on when everything's popping out of nowhere every day. Mm. It was kind of in this maybe not in the start of Facebook, but it started a Facebook to me. And it was like following the, the like Arab Spring where Facebook was a lot of a big movement, to, big tool to mobilize. So like there was just stuff going on everywhere, events everywhere, um, started being nightly protests. Uh, nightly protests were a bit more confrontational um, than the day protest. Uh, personally, I couldn't really get involved in my own student union because when we occupied the CJEP, when we got arrested, Uh, part of our release conditions was that we weren't allowed to be to in 300 meters of the CJEP. Uh, so I kind of had to be involved with other student unions or like more in general and like it around went, it. It went throughout the summer, right? Um, yeah. Like, like it, it went past the school year into the, yes, the summer. Yeah. So right? uh, we fell on strike in, I think, mid-February, like I think the 16 or something like that. Uh, and in, I think, April or mid-April, uh, the liberal government that was under Jean Charest, who might be the next conservative federal uh, ironically. leader, ironically, yeah. 10 years later, making his uh, comeback, yeah. uh, and they passed a special law, uh, which, like, basically pretty much outlawed protests, was supposed to give huge fines to, like, 
any group that was organizing protests, like uh, groups of more than like 10 or 50, I don't remember the exact number, it was like, I think it was like max 50, minimum 10, uh, weren't allowed anymore, but like they never actually applied that law because as soon as they passed it, like it went from a student mobilization to a more mouvement citoyen in like general mm -hmm. and a lot of like... Well, the pots and pans, Yeah, right? the pots and pans. That, 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 that's like really... Yeah, that's really when the pots and pans started families coming, uh, coming out more. Um, and what do, you, what, do you, what do you think teachers uh, thought of this? Uh, and like yeah. administration, I know administration is probably not fond of it, yeah. but teachers might be a little more on the student yeah. side. Teachers were in a bit of a weird position, um, entre l'arbre et les corses, comme on, comme on yeah. dit en français. Um, technically, they have to be like professional and not take positions and not show their politics. Um, but you would kind of easily see who was on your side and who was not. Um, there was a group called Prof contre la Hausse, uh, which were a lot there in the protest. They had a big banner. They were there today. They brought their like their like banner out today. Ten years later, um, and they were they had like a like newspaper that they would hand in in, uh, in, like, in, the, in the protest before. Um, but there were also profs who did not like having their classes picketed and are really confrontational and trying to pass the picket lines. Because well, one of the things is like, um, if you go strike, you're preventing all those other students to not go to their, attend their class and stuff yep. like that. So there's a bit of a dilemma, I, I assume. Yeah, well, there's a bit of a dilemma. Uh, I maybe call it a dilemma because like, you know, the General Assembly and student unions is really the like supreme body of the union. Uh, strikes have always been voted in GAs for many, many years. Student CGIP administrations are kind of used to, usually in, in CGIPs, you would pick at the whole building show up like at 6.30 in the morning before the, the teachers and administration comes, you block all the doors. Uh, they would be like, okay, like we can't get in, classes canceled for today. But people had to do that like each and every day, go up yeah. at 6 a.m. each and every day, go block the door. Because if you don't do it one day, the admin's going to show up and be like, oh, there's classes today. So that's what's really, you know, one of the hard things to also like, people burn out after a while. When you're Three months on strikes, you're getting shot flashbangs and like there's all lacrimogen and getting hit by nightsticks, um, yeah, getting arrested. You. Yeah, it, it, it's and like there was no, on there you. was no online classes back then. No, either. there was no online classes. Yeah, so no, there's no uh, you know way to uh, go around that. Yeah, and you know like of course there are always people who are angry like oh I pay for my classes I have the right to do it, mm -hmm. but like the association represents all the students and like we have to honor the positions that we took we have to enforce them. Uh, it's not the school administration who's going to cancel classes for you. Teachers, like, you know, in their union contract, they have to give their classes. Yeah. So, you know, you have to show up to show that they can say, okay, somebody's stopping me from having class. People are yelling in class. People are playing music in class. I have to cancel class. I can give class that way. They have the excuse of being able to leave. Because if they would just not show up, then the administration could, like, put them into trouble and be like, you didn't show up to class. Why weren't you there? Here's sanctions and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so what did you think of the outcome of that whole uh, movement? Oh, man, um, historical, uh, yeah. amazing. And like, what about um, like, because I knew it spread kind of all over the world a bit, right? And like a lot of other countries started having their own kind of protests. So what, what did you think of the results? And were they like good? Like were they, uh, generally they are, right? Yeah, I'd say for, for, for the, the like results, it, it maybe wasn't a 100% win. Uh, we did manage to block the hike that the liberal government proposed. Uh, the strike was just, you know, long and long and long. So they called an election that they didn't really need to call. There was kind of a, okay, let's settle this with like elections. Yeah. Didn't put in Mafo in that election yet? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, Charest called the election. 
Uh, he lost his seat that he had for like 12 years. Yeah. Uh, the liberal government lost. PQ got elect elected. Uh, PQ kind of backstabbed the student movement, though. Um, oh, yeah. During, during the strike, they said they were, they were for freezing the fees. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when they got elected, they called a... Um, I think it was called the Etat Généraux. So they had like the national student unions. They had like workers unions, CSN, FTQ, government officials, like bring everybody together to have a consultation. Uh, the ASSE, which is the Association pour la Solidarité Syndicale Étudiante, which was like the more radical union, uh, was pushing for free education. A uh, few unions are pushing for free education. The federal, but the, the Fédération étudiante, which is more like liberal unions, they were for the freeze. Most unions were for the freeze. The PQ was for the freeze, apparently. Interquotation. Yeah. Air marks. Yeah. Uh, and when the consultation stopped, they were like, oh, we're going to index the fees to inflation. Um, so instead of getting a, like a 100% hike over five years, we got a 2% hike to infinity and beyond. Uh, so it's a, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a win on the short term. Um, but, you know, unless we manage to win a, a freeze at some point, it's going to keep going on mm -hmm. and on. And apparently next year, fees could go up by like 8.2%. Because apparently the indicator they have for inflation has been like artificially boosted by the like PCU and like pandemic checks. Mm -hmm. So like it, yeah, printing of a lot. Of yeah. Money. So it, it, it like it, it inflated this this number. Uh, and now the government, we have a majority CAC government, has like a super majority. The CAC was really against the student strike, really against student organizing. Were they were they uh, around back then? Uh, they were, they're invented like in... Yeah, they, they were around. I think they had a few seats, but they were like a really marginal force. Yeah. Uh, they were like starting to get organized at, at, at like that point. Um, and having them now with like a super majority... Um, but the election this year, so yeah. you never know, but they are projected to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, polls don't show them losing at yeah, all. Exactly. But yeah. So, so how did this affect your uh, trajectory as a student and as an activist? How did you um, like take in this experience and then um, go move on in the world with it? Yeah. I think, um, you know, I was in the CGP, I was studying like uh, human sciences, such as Sciences Humaines, Questions Internationales. Uh, which is a really cool program, like politics, economics. So it was really like a good basis for the strike. It was a multidisciplinary. Yeah, multidisciplinary. And uh, honestly, I think the strike movement was like a much better school <laughs> uh -huh. than um, than a theoretical program. You you got to live politics, live social movements, live what it is to like build a. Um, we used to call it like rapport de force. Yeah, the networking. Uh, yeah, the networking, but like the um, the escalation of tactics. Mo momentum. And, yeah, be like momentum yeah. building. Um, and establishing relationships too with yeah. all the different people, trying to come up with creative ways of... Yeah, uh, it was honestly like, it was like, it was, it's like, yes, it was like going on strike. Yes, it was organizing protests, but there was so much like... I don't know, like, like a, energy, like a energy, energy from everywhere. Like you would have a group that, like, called like Ecole de la Montagne Rouge, they did a lot of the visuals for the like um, for the shooting strike. They would, yeah, they, they had that like um, May '68 vibe of like making uh -huh. like posters and like faire des genre tricots of like red squares that it would install around trees the day before protest. You would get the protest location. All like the trees had a bunch of like 
red knitting around them and posters were already set up and they were like distributing like tons and tons and tons of like posters and signs and you had like um you had a like band that was called the Maison de Mars that was like kind of like doing a lot of songs during the strikes and shows so in terms of your uh, personal trajectory yeah. Where did you go after this? Yeah, so uh, I finished my CJEP um, after the strike. I was allowed to go back to the CJEP. Uh, I wasn't allowed to do any political organizing uh, when I came back, which was a bit shady, but uh, you got to go back to class at some point, so you signed their, their rules. Um, but after that, um, I finished my CJEP. Uh, I took a year off. I went to Université de Sherbrooke. Uh, I got there back in 2015. And 2015 was like the next strike we had planned because there was also the renegotiations of the um, convention collective, so like the like union contract for the public sector. So we had this big idea. We were like the students' movements going to be like the like spearhead of the unions. We're going to fall on strike first, and then the unions are going to come with us, and we're going to do like a general strike, and like the whole society going on strike. We're going to like smash capitalism with that strike, and That did not go out as planned. That was like nice, the nice, uh, the idea was the, the nice idea. But then the unions didn't really follow. Um, 2012 had super nice weather for winter months. 2015 had really bad weather. The SPVM was really like they did not want to have a, a second round of 2002. Um, so when I was at Sherbrooke, uh, I organized, I helped organize two weeks of strike um, at Sherbrooke, where we kind of got into contact with like unions and did a few events. Uh, and then I took another, I was there for two years. Uh, I like my history major, but I didn't really see like a professional future in history. Um, so I went back to Montreal, uh, took a year off, then came to Concordia where I joined the, uh, School of Community and Public Affairs and, um, did my, uh, did my, well, finishing, well, finish my, my classes right now of winning for graduation. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my, uh, my school trajectory and uh, academic. So do you have any role models? Do you have anybody who kind of inspired you either during those protests or since or beforehand? Um, or maybe someone you looked up to or um, that, that you took inspiration from? Uh, honestly, not really a specific person. Um, okay. I'd say like... The ASSE student union was really like a well-oiled machine. Which one? ASFA? Uh, no, uh, uh, ASSE. So the Association pour la Solidarité Syndicale Étudiante, which was like a... In French, we called them na na national student unions, but they're like provincial national unions for like, okay, for, yeah, yeah. For like, for like Quebec. Um, so they, they had members like um, all around Quebec and different campuses. Um, The SCPASA was part of uh, SA. I don't know if they were in 2012, they joined after, but now they were at, at uh, some point. Fine art students at Concordia was in SA. Uh, apparently today I learned CSU was one of the founding members of SA, but then they left. Um, but it was like, yeah, it was the, the more radical, air quotes, um, student union. And they, they, had, they had like really, they did these um, camps de formation, so like formation camps. So you would have like, let's say you spent like two or three days in a, in a CJEP somewhere in like Quebec and they would have like workshops all day, how to mobilize, how to make posters, how to pick classes, how to organize a protest. And then, you know, you would spend the afternoon like 
chilling with the students, going to the bar, grabbing beers, um, and just like having fun. And you know, three days of work, but three days of fun also. So it was it was really a yeah a well oiled machine that knew what it was doing. And uh, uh-huh. and so then, um, as you just mentioned, what did you uh, take uh, out of your experience uh, through those protests um, over the course of your academic career? Um, you mean more like for the what what I learned from the strike or what I learned from just academics like, in general? No, no, more like uh, from your activism uh, background. Yeah, so the 2012 strikes yeah. and also uh, you know University of Sherbrooke and yeah. your Cégep de Montréal and what did you uh, learn from those yeah. experiences? Um, I'd say a lot of things, mm-hmm. uh, but if I get have to get specific, I'd say. Um, it's the you, you you kind of realize how direct democracy is is doable. It's sure it's on a smaller scale in student unions and stuff like that. But you definitely see how you can like collectively have power and take decisions as a group and enforce those decisions as a group, even if the admin is against you, even if the cops are trying to block you. Um, as long as you have the motivation and the organizing and the will to do it. Um, everything is doable, honestly. Like it's a it's a question of of of, of will and good organization. Um, you know, let's say for for the strike for the two days of strike that we voted um, in, in these past weeks. Uh, you know, we organized all of that in like one month. Like we just realized ourselves that we we finished picketing the class. We were like, holy hell, this is something that like normally takes months of organizing and groundwork, and we did it in like one month. So like. Approaching people, getting them to sign the petition to call the GA, getting people to show up to GA. It's not as hard as you might think it is. Um, I think How do you get people motivated to that? Uh, lots of ways. You can talk to them one-on-one, uh, doing class announcements, uh, postering. Uh, you know, for the Discord, we have a SCPA essay server. So, you know, mobilize through Discord, by checking people on Discord, talking to them in class, class announcements, as I said, postering, uh, giving flyers out. How do you attract new people? Because I know that, like, uh, a lot of the time, uh, certain students in our classes are part of the SCPA essay. And, but it seems, I guess it tends to be sort of the same reoccurring characters, right? for sure. So how do you broaden that audience? Yeah. I think it's honestly, it's, it's kind of gradual and a bit of a snowball effect. Uh, and the first meetings, you're a lot of times always that kind of same core group. And then sometimes someone else, someone new join, joins in. And then they're like, oh, it's actually really fun. I like the group. They start getting involved. They get their friends involved. Friends get their friends involved. And it's just like snowballs mm-hmm. up. And, you know, doing social events. We um, did a few social events. Not that many people outside of the core group showed up, but we got a few to show up. And usually when, when people show up to one event, they start showing up to the next event. So mm-hmm. it's really kind of this, this snowball that you have to give the first push, not get disappointed when you're like, oh, it's just us. You're like, okay, we'll just keep on organizing stuff. People will show up at some point. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, it just gradually, gradually grows. Um, you know, we picketed a class today. It's really not the same vibe. Um, picketing one class in a small program where everybody knows each other. Uh, when I would picket at Université de Sherbrooke, we were the whole, it was this one faculty, one association for all the um, social sciences program. So it's always easier to like picket a class with people you know, but when you get to a class of people that like, you don't know anyone, they're, they don't care about politics, they're not involved, you show up, you're like, hey, you're on strike, you know, there's no class today, and you're like, I'm, I'm not leaving. 
then the prophet's like, well, I'm not leaving either. So then you start making noise, take your speaker out, play some music. You got to disrupt the class until the prophet says like, okay, I cannot have class. Class is canceled. Then you move on to the next class. And, you know, you, you would have like lists of all the classes on the day, all the rooms, you know, got to spread out. Okay, you, 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 we're going to do this floor or us, we're going to go do this floor. And then we meet up there and then we go to the other building on the other side of the campus and mm-hmm. we like, we like do them. So it's really a whole, a whole day of, of uh, and this, this seems to be more um, in person. Yeah. So how did uh, COVID change that dynamic? Um, like do you have more online events or um, like is the general assemblies yeah. I guess through Zoom and stuff uh, like that? We did our last general assembly on Zoom. Uh, I think most of them from now on might go over to in person, but I think having them maybe as a hybrid way is a good way. That way, people who are there in person can stay in person. But and pe- you can attract more. Exactly, people exactly. Because like people sure. who live like an hour away. You're probably not going to come an hour, go to the GA, and then go back home an hour if it's already late. You have stuff to do. Whereas if we can maybe have it some way to have it in person and people who can join online can do that, I think it's a great way to get more people to attend the GAs. Because that's always one of the things where as like, you know, you're never going to have 100% of the student body for sure. You're never even going to have 50% of the student body for sure. But like if you can have it hybrid, I think it's a good way to get attendance mm-hmm. uh, more up. But um, for us in COVID, there wasn't much organizing like that. Um, there was a big momentum in 2019 for like a climate justice strike. I remember uh, that. that was a huge, huge yeah, there's a huge event. momentum. And then COVID happened like one week before the first GAs. So the whole movement just like died Wasn't there. Wasn't there like a huge protest one summer? Wasn't that 2019? Uh, yeah. yeah. The summer, was so like- yeah, it, it, exactly. There was that huge 500,000 people protest. Mm. Uh, the biggest protest before that was in the student strike of 2012. I think it was 300,000 or something like that. Um, so that was the 501 with like Greta Thunberg and the climate justice. That was, I think, September, mid-September. And then we were supposed to have strike votes, I think, in April. Uh, and then COVID hit like mid-March. So it died there. Nothing happened during COVID. So this is kind of also one of the reasons of today's protest. which so was like get things back rolling. Get things back rolling. Be like, okay, we, we were... The movement was destroyed during COVID, but now it's time to like wake up. Wake up, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. that's cool. Um, are there any moments that you had that either during the protest or since that you were kind of not so proud of? You know, maybe like uh, things that happened that you like weren't. Um, you know, you think, oh, I could have maybe done that a little better, a little smarter, maybe change my strategy yeah. a bit. Um, I'd say. I mean. The occupation of the CGIP in 2012 was, uh, was a crazy experience. Um, CGIP de Vue-Montréal. Yeah, CGIP de Vue-Montréal. Like, we literally had a, a GA where we voted to erect barricades. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was one one crazy experience. Um, yeah, yeah, no, honestly, like there there was uh, there was there was a, a meme on like nine gag of like because um, the service Vue-Montréal is made with a lot of like escalators going up. Uh, and there were like thousands of chairs blocking the the like escalators, and there was like a, a like picture of that with like the "You shall not pass" of like Gandalf, and uh, it was like a meme on Nine Gag, and I was like, "Oh, Quebec student strike on Nine Gag yeah. in 2012, it's like peak Nine Gag era." Uh, but um, yeah, th- you know that 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 was um, I don't regret it. Um, it did get me like a few criminal accusations. Um, like, 
mais fait de moins de 5 000 mais fait de plus de 5 000 Allegedly. Un troupement illégal, entrée par infraction, even though we were there, like, while the CVP was open, but, yeah. But it honestly also gave you an experience of, like, how the judicial system works. And I'll really call it the judicial system and not the justice system, because you kind of see how, like, justice is quite absent. Um, it was a weird experience. So, you know, like you have to be at court at nine or cops are going to come get you and bring you to court. You show up to court at nine, lawyer and ju the judge shows up at 12. You're like, why? <laughs> like, why do I have to be here? And then you go and then they're just like, so we should have the next date in uh, two months. And I was like, oh, no, I have a court date that day. Then you just, you know, I've been waiting to have them there for 15 minutes to negotiate the next day. And then like, okay, yeah, let's do this in two months. Bye. And you're like, okay, I lost my day for nothing. Mm -hmm. You come back two months later. They push it back. They push it back. They push it back. Um, and I was 18 at the time. There was like 36 of us who were arrested. We kind of like, um, when the rad cops came in the CJP, we went to hide in a little room. We blockaded the room. We hid in the room. Our goal was to stay there until 6 a.m. the next morning. So that way, like, UCAM students could like, come surround the rat cops outside of the CVM and we thought maybe like we're going to surround them and we're going to break out and you know, that was our, our fantasy in our head. Um, it did not end up that way. It ended up just like calling the firefighters, destroying the wall, showing up with their gas masks and being like, you get out calmly one by one or we'll make this terrible for you. It's a good argument when you're stuck in a small room with 36 people and there's almost no air. You're like, okay, yeah. you won. Like, it's good. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Seeing like the... The like uh, minors, they had their court dates before us, and it was a uh, it was a terrible experience. Um, it's like a two week two week court. You're there from nine to five, uh, and all they did was watch all the security cameras of the CGIP, just like press play. From nine to five, every like the like the whoever like the, the like government lawyer did no editing. They just like played the entire every camera. Yeah, you see, it's like camera filming emptiness for two hours, and you're like, why are people watching this? Um, and then you see, ah, ah, yeah, 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 exactly. And even there, I, I, I went to support them one day, and like the judge was looking at the floor, the lawyers were looking at the floor. You're like, this is this is a joke. Candy like, crush. Yeah, you're like this is a joke. Like, why, why are, why are mm -hmm. we here? Why did you not do it? This is your job to do an edit, so we don't waste our time. And they all got found guilty just because they were there, uh, which makes, like, no sense. Like, you can... It was guilty by association or something? Yeah, it was, it, was, it was really it. It was like, you are there, you're guilty of everything. So when we were supposed to go to court, we were like, let's just take a plea deal. We're not going to, like, go through this absurd process. Um, yep. And so how, how do you think that... Because um, you went to Cégep de Montréal, and yep. that's always more of a kind of radical school, yep. right? It's always been... How did that, uh, being in that Cégep, you know, change your perspective or experience? Oh, man. Uh, it... Um, I don't think it's a negative thing, but it radicalized me for sure. Um, you kind of... Because a, a lot of the people I was hanging around and a lot of the organizers there... Um, a lot of them were like around the, the, the CLAC, Coalition des Lustres Anticapitalistes. Uh, a lot of them were like anarchists. Um... I read this book, um, La Chute de Sparte. Okay. Have you ever read that? No. Oh, I forget who it's by. 
but it, it took place in the stage of Vieux Montréal. Okay. And it talks about, you know, that whole culture. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's so yep. different that, because I went to Dawson. Right. And yep. it's like a completely different yep. experience. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, yeah, the Cégep de Moral really has that like history of like re- of, of of radical student uh, union movements, and uh, they have the Comité Libertad, an, an anarchist committee. It's been there for like 20 years or um, something like that, and like they put up a lot of events. And it was kind of like my my entry and my school to like anarchist politics, anarchist philosophy, anti-fascism, um, a lot of that stuff. Um, so it was it was really like a, a great school to social movements. Awesome. So what I want to ask is, um, how has the landscape changed? I mean, I know you touched about it, uh, touched on it a bit before, but how has the landscape of that whole education uh, movement uh, changed over the last 10 years? Um, to my opinion, it went down. Let's say it's uh, kind of died out. Um, the Aussie, that more ra- ra- radical student union, um, they were pushing since the early 2000s. Uh, against like the commodification of like education and for free education and like against the privatization of universities and like the industry being like kind of the the, the lead pushing like not having education for education's sake mm-hmm. but ha- like it being a business model yeah tying it to what industry needs and like because uh, even since then there's a lot of social sciences programs that have been cut classes have been cut uh, when I was at Sherbrooke in 2015, uh, they got rid of the theology uh, program. Uh, the music, li- they, the, there was a music program that had a huge library. They they destroyed it, uh, moved it into the main library. So they threw out a bunch of stuff from the main library to make space for the music stuff that they had kicked out of the other building. Uh, I remember I was at the library and they were throwing stuff out, and I was like, they were literally throwing out like historical documents that like. For historians, I think would be really interesting. It was like um, the like um, the like minutes of like revo- revolutionary French Parliament, and I was like, "Dude, you can't throw that to the fucking garbage!" Like, like okay, it takes a lot of space, and like no one's ever gonna go read it. Like, fine, but like you shouldn't be throwing that to the garbage. You, sh- you should find a place and archive it or something. Um, and that whole discourse, like against the commodification of education, kind of died out with the assay. Um, and I think a lot of people are trying to bring it back now because we're seeing like this is something that's just, you know, it's something that was starting in the 2000s or late 90s. We're in a really big part of it. A lot of the big cuts have already been done, um, but it's not the end. And like more programs are going to keep on getting cut that aren't economically viable let's say where like it doesn't lead you to a big paying job like you know do we need philosophers as a society uh, I, I i would think yes I think now more uh, <laughs> yes exactly now more but from a business sense you don't need philosophers mm-hmm. um you know so yeah i think that there's a lot of that where right now that whole movement and logic is kind of less there and i think it's also it doesn't still try was involved himself in that um, I forget the name in English, but the Altair, Mond- Altair Mondialist movement. So like so uh, anti-globalization. Yeah, yeah, the anti-globalization movement. So it's really like going off of the like uh, big G7 protests, the Summit des Amériques in Quebec in 2001. It was like organizers from like in the U.S., Canada, and Mexico who like showed up to protest in like Quebec City. There's a lot of people I think who were 
organizers at Asse in 2012, 2010, those years, were people who were part of the protests in 2001. So it was always kind of that like cycle of like, people go to protest, people go get trained there, people get radicalized there, but I don't, I don't mean this in a bad way. Uh, ra radical is usually seen as like, ooh, dangerous, scary people, mm -hmm. but like, radical kind of also means going to the root of the problem. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's the that's the important part of when you talk about radical politics is saying like, no, we're going to attack this problem at its source and not just like fight the symptoms of the problem. Because a fight against symptoms is like, you'll it'll never end, you know. If the root is rotten and you're just cutting off the branch, it'll keep on making more rotten branches and rotten fruit. So you got to mm. cut it at the root and get it out of the get it out of the ground, you know. And so, so what m model would you base yourself on would it be like the um scandinavian model of education kind of thing like what's uh, the ideal yeah i think there, you know there's there, there's a lot of countries throughout the world that has um free education a lot of the times we think like oh man how are we gonna afford this but like there's been like actual legit research in 2012 and years before and after and like education in quebec right now is like one or two percent of the provincial budget um and i don't remember the exact number um, but like getting free education for students would maybe jump it up one or two percent more. So it's not because like most students are already funded, like the government already gives a few thousand dollars for every student to the universities. So giving that one or two thousand more, even for a lot of students, it ends up not that much in part of the whole actual provincial budget. And there's lots of way to actually get that money. Uh, before in Quebec, we used to have a lot of, um, uh, in French are called the de pa paliers de imposition. So like, depending on how much money you make, you pay a certain percentage of like taxes. And in the early 2000s, late nineties, they cut off a lot of them. Um, so the state makes a lot less money with that. And from what I remember, basically just bringing those back with basically just that, you could pay for free for free education. So it's really realistic. A lot of European countries and South American countries have free education. So those like models, I think, are really something we should aim for, and not let us devolve into like becoming the states. Uh, the reason we have low fees in Quebec is because we fought fee hikes. Um, we have, I think, one of the lowest fees in all of Canada. I think now there's an Atlantic province that has them lower than us. Uh, but for most of the 2000s, Quebec was the lowest fees and, you know, combative unionism, combative unionism was the reason why we had these, these lower fees versus the rest of Canada. And the rest of Canada doesn't have that history of social movement and student striking. There's legal reasons for that. Um, student unions in Quebec are legally recognized. You have the right to a room. You have the right to get the budget from your members. From what I've understood in the rest of Canada... Student unions do exist. They do exist legally, but they're kind of like any other NGO. Mm -hmm. So like going on strike, it's like a bit weird because like it's not your decision. You're not a union. You're kind of just an NGO. This isn't your school. Whereas in Quebec, people have been fighting to be like, no, this is our school. Like we are students. This is our school. Yes, you are the admin, but like you're not dictator of the school. Like we also have a say in this. And if we say we're going on strike, we're going to block classes and you're not going to be able to go anything. So you have to listen to us. You have to cooperate with us. Mm -hmm. And so what would you do with international students? International students is one of the 
blind spots maybe um, of the strike because they already pay so much fees. Uh, they're honestly kind of used as a cash cow well, for yeah, exactly. universities. Yeah, that's where they make most of their money. Right? Yeah, yep. But uh, from what I've read, they don't actually make that. Even if they charge super huge fees, they lose a lot of it to like getting people here and like advertising for international students and stuff like that. Um, that's one of the questions that only has to be, I think, digged more. Like, let's say we want free education. Who gets free? Is it everybody? Is it Quebec residents? Is it all Canadian residents? Is it international students also? Um, that's something that I think need more, more research, more debate, um, because they are used as a cash cow by student by university ad administrations. It's less of an issue at CGEP levels because like people in Canada don't have CGEP, so it'd be weird to like ditch your high school at the end of the, your one, two last years, go to CGEP. Things would be possible to do. International students don't really come to CGEP because they also have like longer high school or in France, they have something else, um, I think. So like free education for every student in CGEP would be easily doable. CGEP fees are already like $200 per yeah. semester. So it'd be super easy to do. Uh, but honestly, $200 per semester for someone who's like from a single family on welfare or something like that. Um, it's still a good amount of money that can that can you know stop you, or you get loans, but then you get debt. So, but it's also like uh, usually it's the books that cost more. Yeah, than yeah, the actual, exactly. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the student fees themselves. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really depending on on like programs you're in. Like yeah, like sciences, they have sciences are books. have insane. I saw I, uh, a chemistry book that was two hundred dollars. Yeah, I was I was buying my like. It's my one or two SCPA books at the library at like at Concordia, the, the thing under the, the library. And I'm like, oh, here I'm getting this like $15 book for a class. Then I would see these like chemistry and engineering classes. And yeah, it's like $200 for a thick brick. Yeah. And, you, and that's one book for one class. Yeah, that's why people go on Facebook to just get yeah. uh, the used books. Yep. Um, so what, what are like are your projections for the future? What Where do you see your kind of uh, activist career if you will going where, yeah. where, where do you protect yourself um right 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 now i'm trying to find a job in a um community logement so like a like tenants right group um i'd like to kind of like move more in that housing issue um yeah we're in a housing bubble right now yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> and like just like you know as much as doing like popular education what are your rights as like um renter uh popular education tenant yeah tenant rights um stuff like that and also like the 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 like creation of like social social housing and community housing um you know you some of you concur students might know of the of the wood note um which is a student uh re re residence that was recently created uh it's like a concordia project and it's also um i don't remember what the acronym stands for but it's also pushed by utile and Utsil was a student group that was created a bit before or during the 2012 student strike. And their mandate or their goal was like to create like student housing. Uh, and there was this thing in 2012 called the Ilo Voyageur, which is like a huge tower next to Berry UCAM that the UCAM bought because they decided to uh, be like the Anglo universities and start like investing into like um, you know, buying buildings and selling buildings to make money. And it was a huge fiasco and it totally fell and they launched, they lost like hundreds of millions of like dollars. It was a gigantic fail. Um, and Utsil was, their goal was to get that tower and convert it into student housing. 
So they didn't manage to do that, um, but they like reoriented themselves, and now they got the Wood Note, which opened I think last year or two years ago. They have other projects that are going up. So there's like the Twin Sail Strike. It was really like yes, it was a student strike, but it was really also a social movement, an anti-globalization social movement, like a, this another world is is like is like is is possible, and it really made people aware of like. Democracy isn't just putting a check mark on a piece of paper every four years. Democracy is a day-to-day thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to work for it. You have to work for it. And if you just wait for the government to do stuff, you're going to be disappointed. Like, yeah, they're not, they're not going to just like, oh, let's like create more social programs. This isn't the 70s. This isn't the 60s. Um, neoliberalism has been here for a long time. Social programs are getting cut. Uh, we're moving to this... Um, user pay your logic uh, so you know we, we, have, we have to fight for those programs and fight for those for those for those wins what do you think of because um, like the the 2012 protest was mostly for higher education yeah but what about like trade schools yeah and and those uh, industries? that's a really uh inter- inter- interesting question um trade schools as far as i know don't have student unions so it kind of makes it really hard, nigh impossible to organize um, in these schools. Uh, the biggest opposition we usually had at Cégep de Montréal was people in technical programs because they just want to do their program, get their job, start working, make some money early, get in their career. So a lot of them were like, they were usually the people who were like most against the strike, most pissed of like losing time and graduating later, getting their jobs later. Um, but during the internship strike, um, there was a protest I remember, which, uh, ended in front of a, of a trade school and started firing people in the trade school. And I was like, why did we not do that before? That's really something where like, cause a, a, a lot of them have internships they have to do, uh, in the traditionally more masculine field, like, um, Welding, welding, plumbing, plumbing construction. A, a, a lot of those internships are paid, uh, but in the more tr- traditionally feminine or care jobs, they're not paid. Mm. Uh, teaching, they're rarely paid. Social work, rarely nursing. paid. Nursing, rarely paid. And these people do literal work. Like, like you, you. Ha- it's like students. Um, students, they had, uh, they have an internship at the end of their. They ha- I think they have two or three internships in their whole program. And the last internship, you have an actual class that you manage for like a few days or a few weeks or even a month. So you're teaching, you work from nine to five, you correct the, the like papers, you, you do the discipline and you get paid zero. Uh, it was one of the wins of the student strike that the government accepted to give a compensation for the last internship. Uh, psychology students would do like they'd have clients, they would not be paid. Uh, them also, I think now their last internship is paid, um, but the strike was really for all internships to be paid, and the government kind of managed to play their cards to have like, okay, we're like gonna compensate the the ones that it's more like, you know, you play, explain that to a random person, you're like, I work for a month, I teach a class for a month, and I don't get paid. People will be like, wow, that's that's terrible, and like, interns aren't pr- protected by the code du travail. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you get harassed at work, you don't have any, like, avenues to fight that. You can't, like, really make a complaint in, in, the, in the, like, 
CNSST, like the, 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 the like security and tribunal for work, because you're not a worker, a recognized worker, so you don't have any like insurance. Insurance, right? yeah. If if you get like injured at 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 work while you're doing your internship, you're not gonna have like chômage or zero anything benefits. like that. There's zero benefits. You're just like, oh, uh, sorry, mate. And, you know, what do you do with your internship? Do you fail your internship? Are you going to pass your internship? Are you going to take it back later? Um, so, yeah, I, honestly, I don't even remember the, 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 the like, question now. <laughs> Maybe yeah. went, went, like, off track a bit, but, but, but yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that was great. Thank you so much. And uh, do you have any other, um, like, what are you currently pursuing? And uh, I know you talked a bit about that, but do you have any final thoughts, anything that you want to plug in? Or yeah, um, I mean, I've learned today there's an occupation started at uh, Concordia. They got some tents set up on the mez on the uh, on the second floor. So I think they'll be there for a week. They're organizing events and stuff like that. So, like, I don't know when this podcast will be released. When you hear it, it will probably be after that, I would imagine. But, like, I'd say, you know, for SCPA students who are listening to this, you know, the SCPSA usually organizes events. Uh, we had a hard time during COVID to organize events, but now everything's going back in person. I think it's a good time to, like, get involved. Uh, I think we have almost a full executive team for the next year. Uh, elections are going on right now. So I think, you know, we're kind of trying to lay the groundwork. I'm trying to kind of this be my legacy to the SCPSA to, like, have tried to bring back that institutional memory and bring back that culture of organizing and yeah, I don't know, you know, get involved at ASFA, get involved at CSU, get involved in your departmental or or or, or organizations, um, student clubs. There's there's you know there's thousands of opportunities to get involved at, at Concordia, the Hive, uh, Reggie's um, Sustainability Action Fund, uh, the Concordia Greenhouse. There's a lot of things, and yes, uh, the greenhouse is so cool. Yeah, the greenhouse is amazing, once, and it's like so peaceful. You got like nice plants around. The air smells good. Yeah, it's a good place greenhouse to is great. I, it's just I, like on the top floor. So yeah, it's, a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's a yeah. It's a bit harder to get up yeah. there, but uh, if you're well timed with like the the like elevator, you can that go up directly. You know, being well timed with the elevator, that's true. <laughs> it's always full for sure. But yeah, no, just I think there's a lot of opportunity and like just like I think as a student, especially in Quebec, there's this. I said it's this culture of student or. or or, or or organizing that like even if it's student events happening in other universities they're open to having students they'll be glad to have people from other universities who are like hey nothing's ha nothing is happening in my school on this specific campaign or subject that i'm interested so i'll organize with you and a lot of times you can you know learn stuff from there then you bring that back to concordia bring your own start booking organizing a local group and like more groups you have everywhere easier it is to then organize bigger events and you know snowball bigger and bigger and just uh yeah i think like get involved in the student movement it's a it's a great school um honestly as i said before i think i learned more on the streets in 2012 um than i could ever learn in in an actual class also that i mean you're, you're, you're not you're not gonna learn that in school yeah. for sure no but just you know for social movement stuff and like seeing how like you know 2012 was a lot of back and forth of like Students do stuff. The government says this, and then like, riot cops start getting violent. People start fighting back against cops. The government is like, whoa, whoa, whoa! You guys are violent. Stop this! And then you know you can kind of shift the narrative around of being like, okay, so what is violence? Is like having a black block destroy windows that violent when there's people who lost eyes? 
because of flashbangs. People at the Congrès at Victoriaville of the PLQ, so like a big protest in, 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 in April. The PLQ had their like Congress in Victoriaville. They went far away from Montreal to avoid the, the protest. A lot of people showed up. Um, it, was, uh, it, was, it was a police riot. Um, like a lot of people got wounded. They got their jaws like broken by like what they call plastic bullets, but it's like one inch of plastics behind like eight inch of steel. Um, when you get that in your face at 90 kilometers an hour, I don't know how fast it goes, but like according to the rules, it's supposed to shoot it on like the floor and have it bounce back in your legs, but they would shoot it through smoke bombs, just like a randomly pow, pow, pow. Um, so, you know, then you can kind of, you know, you, you, you would, you would see the framing of social movements. I don't know how the year-long class right now in the SCPA is, but when I took that, that year-long class, the 301, 301 of the, the, the like panels, um, the prof, the, a lot of the class was around like framing your issue and how, how do you frame it to have it favorable to you and to kind of counter the counter arguments. And the like government and the really, really stuck on that, like, oh, people are breaking windows, violence, violence, violence. But I think we did manage to kind of twist it around on them and be like, okay, yes, there is vandalism. Yes, there is violence against a window. But like, what is violence against a window versus violence against actual people who are just walking in the street um, and just like, you know, having your rights like violated and stuff like that. So it was really a good school of how social movements are built, how politics plays in real time. You know, we got an education minister to, like, resign. We got a government to call an election that they lost. Like, it was really, like... It was impactful. Yeah, it was, it was impactful, yeah. That's awesome. All right, Sam, thank you so much. It's a real pleasure. Well, thanks for inviting me. I'm glad we could do this, and uh, uh, I'm glad uh, whoever's going to listen to this listens to this, and I uh, hope you have a nice, uh, a nice rest of uh, 352. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of Listening Beyond. Continue listening to explore other stories of people making change in their communities. Merci d'avoir écouté cet épisode de Listening Beyond. Continuez à écouter pour explorer d'autres histoires de personnes qui apportent des changements dans leur communauté. This podcast is produced by the students in SCPA 352, Community and Local Activism, in the School of Community and Public Affairs at Concordia University in Montreal. Music by Ketza, supervised by Dr. Anna Sheftel. The School of Community and Public Affairs Student Association generously provided funding for this project. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a rating or sharing with friends.